0: Play it safe. Nah. You
1: gotta fight for your right.
0: We don't abide by your rules. You are
1: finger?
0: Sometimes it's okay to get unruly.
1: This is over the line. On the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
0: Yes, welcome into over the line. And you can tell, not Ebo, Not Nelson, not even Ben Kenny. I'm Zach Heilprin, as uh, you will find out we've had quite the morning already. and uh, we'll be getting into all that. Evo on vacation today. He's out in Las Vegas. Ben Kenny also on vacation. He's headed out to Colorado. Nelson was supposed to be here, but instead he is stuck. On the side of the road, on the belt line, in one of the what the zone? What is the uh, the uh, the lane far to the left? What is that called? I'm trying. I'm trying to forget. I'm trying to remember. Trying to for, uh, remember what that lane is called. I also have RJ here with me. He stepped in, which I appreciate, RJ. Oh yeah, absolutely. The flex lane. The flex lane. Thank he got you. Caught in the flex lane. He's sitting in the flex lane right now. Ooh, that ain't good. He is waiting for his mom to bring him some gas. He's hoping that's what it is. This guy's rolling around on an eighth tank of gas. Ooh. In a what probably like a nineteen ninety-two Chevy Blazer. Is that what that I think thing it is? Maybe a ninety-eight. Okay. All right. However, he is on the he is on the phone. So I'm gonna try and see if we can bring him up here and uh, we'll try and figure this out. Any errors that happen while I'm running the board, just to let you know. It's the first time I've done this in like five years. So uh, we'll bring try and bring Nelson up here, see what he has to say. Nell, you there? Nelson, you're there. Nelson, are you there?
1: Yes, Zach, it's me.
0: All right, there we go. See, already figuring this thing out very quickly. Uh, so can you please inform us exactly what the hell happened and why I'm sitting in this seat right now instead of you?
1: So right now I am looking, I'm actually using the flex lane for about the second time ever. And unfortunately it's because I am broken down in the flex lane.
0: (laughs) What did you do? Uh, Seriously, did you, so you think it might be gas or what happened?
1: So I was low in gas. There's no doubt about that. But I didn't have my gas light on or anything like that. Planning on filling up at the station. I'm hoping it's that because all of a sudden I'm coming up to John Nolan and i just stopped decelerating and i'm putting my ga- or, you know i'm putting my foot to the to the floor and i'm going nowhere but slower
0: so you think it's possible it could be gas
1: possible and hoping like hell that it is
0: what are the chances of that happening on a day like today when evo's not here and ben's not here and you're being counted on to make that happen what are the chances of that happening
1: i'll sum it up with one word typical
0: <laughs> well i mean you can't be driving around eight the tank of gas in a car that is how old 35 years old is that I mean, 35 the, the car the car's older than you isn't it
1: it is 19
0: okay all right so it's slightly younger than you slightly
1: yeah but it's it's gently used
0: gently <laughs> uh well apparently not because it's sitting on the side of the road in the flex lane which hey the flex lane is awesome have you you haven't used that before
1: the flex lane's stupid. The flex it's lane hardly is... Ever, it's hardly ever green.
0: Absolutely not. It's amazing. Uh, it's amazing that... The thing is, you don't go through there when it's actually on. It's on from like 6 in the morning until 9 o'clock or 8 o'clock, and then it comes on later in the afternoon. That thing's been a godsend. I mean, you can just keep you can just keep flying. I haven't been stopped in traffic in the Beltline in a long time.
1: Yeah, but every time and, I'm using the belt, Beltline, it's never green. It's always a red X
0: all right all right either way i think it's a great thing um i'm not shocked that you do not Uh, (laughs) but what's your plan here what's your plan here
1: we are officially hoping to get a gas can of gas up here if that doesn't work it has to be towed and let's just say i'm not going to be very happy
0: yeah me neither actually um i <laughs> but uh, all right. Well, you keep us updated on what's going on. We'll try and hold down the fort here while uh, you figure it out. I'm, it's going to be difficult without you, of course. But uh, we'll try and do our best.
1: This is just typical. I can't wait to get back into the studio and not be sitting on a you know the belt line with cars flying seventy past me.
0: Hey, duh, if you, I, I'm not suggesting anything. But if you want to open the door and maybe take a step, it's I'm not again. Wouldn't be against that at this point.
1: Wouldn't be my first time. I think they, uh, they actually did make a James Bond movie about me. It's called Hard to Kill.
0: Hard to Kill. Hard to Kill. The man. The man. He is Nelson Racebeck on the side of the Beltline, hoping to get here into the office at some point. Uh, hell of a start to your Friday, Nelly.
1: Yep. And you don't know how actually pissed I am.
0: <laughs> I can imagine how pissed you are. I'm going to be, however, if it's gas, the only person you have to be pissed at, yourself.
1: I hope that's what it is, but it was like one of those things where you're sitting here and you're like, okay, well, I'm blowing gas, but you know that's the gas station right next to uh, the radio station, always a little cheaper. Yeah. And you know what, my gas light's not even on. I think I can make it another twenty-five, thirty miles.
0: Oh, well, look at that! Apparently not. Hey, it's it's okay though. We'll we'll hold down the fort here, and hopefully, uh, we'll we'll be seeing you soon.
1: Sounds good.
0: All right, there he is. Nelly on the side of the road on the Beltline.
2: Welcome back into Over the Line. Again, Ebo on vacation in Las Vegas. Sports director Zach Heilprin stepping in for Ebo today. Now we get to bring in the man, the myth, the legend, our gambler to the stars, Dave Essler. Good morning, Dave. Good morning, my friend.
3: So, Dave. Yes, sir.
2: How has baseball been going for you? Because I'm going to say for me, I feel like I've had a lot of bad breaks this year. We were pretty good the last two baseball seasons until this year. And the question that I have been kind of percolating for a month is, has baseball gotten harder to bet when it comes to some of these games? Because clearly in baseball, if you bet heavy favorites all day, it's not going to go well for you. A lot of times, what is it? You have to hit like 80% just to uh, be profitable when you're betting those minus 200 and higher favorites. But I feel like a lot of teams cannot hit with runners in scoring position at all. And it basically just comes down to what team's going to be lucky enough to hit more home runs.
3: Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it makes it harder to bet. I mean, I think you have to adjust your way of thinking. And for me what I've done this year is taken a lot of the variables out by playing a lot of first five innings, because you're right. Teams, teams don't seem to hit with runners in scoring position. And I think, I mean, I I don't know that I think, I think a a, a big part of it is the game has just changed. I mean, you know, you and I have talked um, both off air and uh, off Fridays about, you know, home teams in the bottom of the ninth or extra innings tied starting with a runner on second base. And they don't bunt, only needing one run. I mean, you know, that's, that gets annoying to me. Um, you know, and that, and that, that is a a big part of it. You know, I mean, it's, it's the home run. I mean, especially if they're number three or number four hitters up. Oh, God, we're not going to ask him to bunt. He's got 28 home runs. Well, yeah, he's also got that, but he's also a double play waiting to happen if he doesn't. So, you know, yes, I, I think the game has changed and I think a lot of it, you know, it's like the world. Um, changing with the internet. I mean, with baseball, it's it's sabermetrics and stats. And, you know, I guess I could relate it to the NFL coach that says, well, the chart said. I don't care what the chart said. You know, I mean, mathematically, um, I mean, if it were mathematically based everything, it would be easy to win, and it's not. So, <laughs> Dave, I'm glad you brought
2: up the, the bunting because that is a – Hotly debated topic on these airwaves, but also being that most of the people that listen to this radio station are Milwaukee Brewer fans, it's so agonizing to watch the Brewers day in, day out, and they're consistently towards the bottom of hitting with runners in scoring position. And then at the same time, I feel like, I don't know this for a fact, but I feel like they have to lead the league in not scoring runs when getting the bases loaded with one or no outs. Because I feel like they almost score less times than they don't, and it's just kind of a sad thing to see.
3: Yeah, I mean, and and because you watch the Brewers, but i I don't think it's I don't think the uh, I don't think the Brewers have the have the market cornered on that. To be honest with you, I mean, I I I see it night after night, and and yeah, it's not fun.
2: So Dave, we talking a little bit about just uh, kind of our our um, frustrations with today's baseball, I guess. But speaking of today's baseball, what, what games are you looking at today?
3: Well, I mean, the first game on the board, and I don't know if you talked about this earlier, but the Mets and the Marlins, I mean, that's a little scary that they're making Alcantara an underdog at home. Uh, But the fact that everybody is not jumping on the Mets. I mean, I think that it's interesting. The tickets are mostly on, uh, Miami, but the money is pretty evenly split. So I, I think, and Bassett's had ridiculous stats too. But you know, I keep going back to Bassett in the AL, and is he really that good? But what happens a lot of times is when when elite pitchers get hit, it's by someone in their own division that's seen them, and 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 i'm I'm very leery. I, I don't think Alcantara is automatic here. I think if I was going to take Miami, I would take them for the first five innings, and I would most certainly take the under and I was looking at your Brewers game, buddy, and you know i'm surprised they're not favored by more than they are. I mean, you look at the Red Sox and they're I believe they're five and fifteen over their last twenty. Uh, they played last night, and I, I don 't believe Milwaukee did um Bello has not gone more than four innings, not giving up less than four earned runs. And one of those, which is kind of eye-popping, easy, he, he pitched his first two games against the Rays, and the Rays beat him pretty bad the first two times. And historically, the pitcher will make adjustments and, and have a pretty good outing the next time. But he faced him five days later, and he was actually worse. And you have a pretty decent breeze blowing out uh, for a night game at Fenway. And not that you need a breeze to hit it out of Fenway, But I'm inclined to think your brewers are are a pretty solid bet. I would probably split that run line, money line. I don't like laying 160. But, again, that's a little bit scary because what you have there is um, early anyway. uh, Most of the tickets and most of the money on Boston, and yet the line's not moving a whole lot. And and I don't get that because when you look at it, I mean, maybe people aren't doing their homework. I expect that to come down because, you know, Christian Arroyo is out, Trevor Story's out, uh, Hernandez is out, now Rafael Devers is out. I mean, that's basically your your leadoff hitter and your 3-4 your or 2-3 hitters at times. So I don't, I don't give the Red Sox a chance tonight.
2: Well, I'm glad to hear you say that because that was one of the picks that I gave out this morning was Brewers on the run line minus one and a half. Another one that I, I want to hear your opinion on because I think it's a little off the board here and it was one that I gave out. I actually like the Rockies. On the run line tonight. For some reason, well, we know that the Rockies are really good against left handers, but they have just absolutely pounded Arias in his career. And Chad Cool has been really good, weirdly enough, at home in his career.
3: Yeah, I could see that. I mean, the Dodgers are getting to that point in the season where, you know, they have such a massive lead. I mean, they're 13 games up, I think, in the in the, uh, in the uh, NL West. I mean, at some point, they're either going to care less or arrest people. I mean, I don't know if we're to that point yet, but uh, we're going to get there. And we've seen it a little bit over the last couple of weeks. The Dodgers have been um, prohibited favorites and either lost or barely won. So, you know, to your point about betting uh, big teams on the run line, my only problem with that is you know, it's it's Chad Cool, and uh, he pitched against the Dodgers the end of June, uh, a complete game shutout. And aside from that, uh, his WHIP over the last seven starts is like one and a half. Which, you know, if he does that tonight, he's going to get hammered. Um, but you know, interestingly enough, a lot of Rockies pitchers tend to suck in Coors Field and be okay on the road. He's the opposite. You know, at home, he's actually, his ERA is actually over two runs less. So, you know, he, but I, I, I got to believe the Dodgers remember that game. So, you know, all things being equal, I tend to think that you're right.
2: Well, I'm hoping so. Any Anything else you like this weekend or tonight?
3: Uh, not yet, but I did make a bet on the NFL Hall of Fame game. <laughs> I don't normally bet preseason. But that happens before I see you guys next Friday. And I took the under. I mean, it's almost uh, almost a given I'll bet the under in that game. But, you know, Jacksonville and the Raiders, I almost said Oakland, um, they're not going to play. They both have a lot of new parts, new coaches. So I think they're going to use, because they have that fourth game, I think they're going to use that game to just kind of see um, – Who they might want to go with. I mean, you know, you can't imagine Trevor Lawrence playing overly long. And then you got CJ Beathard, and good luck with that. And I don't, you may not even see Derek Carr. I don't know. I haven't read the Raiders' reports yet. But after that, they got Jarrett Stidham. Um, McDaniels grabbed him from New England. And, you know, I I used to think he was kind of okay, but he's not. So (laughs) I don't, I don't, (laughs) I don't see. Thirty-three or thirty-four points being scored in that game, so I I did take that as well. I may mean, bet the Jaguars. I mean, the Jaguars actually may want to win uh, for their psyche, for their coach, um, and getting a couple of points in any exhibition game is always a good thing. So that's one for next week,
2: Dave. If you could find a long a long bet on like a something about the field will be messed up for the Hall of Fame game, do you <laughs> think you would wager on it?
3: No, I wouldn't. It's I would I would I would compare that to Joey Chestnut hot dogs.
0: <laughs> just because what was it? Just not too long ago, where they had like the messed up paint. Yeah, no, it was it was the Packers when they were there, when Brett Favre went into the Hall of Fame, and he was. I mean, they the field. No, what? Not excuse me, not the Packers. Uh, it was Indianapolis and somebody, and uh, the field was just a complete mess. The Packers one though got canceled as well.
2: Well, their one against the Raiders in Canada was a disaster. Yes, where they had to play all It would your, have looked better if they played it in my backyard. I had to play in like eighty-yard field. <laughs> well, Dave, Dave, by the way, thanks for joining us again. And just putting it out there, a week from Friday or a week from today, it's our golf outing. Still looking for one singular <laughs> golfer. <laughs>
3: If, if you buy me a plane ticket, I'll do it.
2: <laughs> Let me see if uh, our sports well, director. Whoa,
3: no, whoa, 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 whoa! <laughs> back to back up, back, up the turnip truck. Um, that's my wife's birthday. Oh, so yeah. so, so that's, a, so, so if, so that's you, a. If you buy me a plane, if you buy me a plane ticket, I if, just make it one way. <laughs> I was going to say that's
0: that's a maybe. Then you're, at, you're right, right? you that's a possibility. <laughs> exactly. yeah. yeah.
3: I got. I, I have a week to negotiate that, <laughs> and, and it's one of those. What's the price I'm going to have to pay for that? and yeah so keep in touch on that not out of of the question
2: (laughs) sounds good Dave we will keep you up to date because we may need a ringer on our team and we know that you play every Friday so just kind of like a major league baseball player it's right in your routine
3: it is it is but you know every Friday I play the same course you get me up there with you know an unknown entity I'm, I'm liable to suck so you know, take it, take, take, take what you get. We'll have fun,
2: though. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good, Dave. Hey, thanks for thanks for joining us again. We will talk to you next Friday.
3: You got it, brother. Have a good weekend, guys. You too.
2: Sports director Zach Heilprin in for Ebo. If you want to get a hold of the show, it's 608-321-1670. Well, we had our Gambler of the Stars, Dave Esler, on talking about some uh, picks for the weekend Early, early into the show, it was a little bit of the Green Bay Packers, and then pretty much the 7, uh, about the 7 o'clock hour was what? Big 10 media days, some P.J. Fleck, Brett Bielema stories, but I know, Zach, that Packer practice officially starts that you'll be covering it August 5th, because you made that quite clear, because that's our
0: golf outing. I still think you're ducking us in the golf outing. Well, I mean, I was at practice yesterday as well, but um, sure, yeah. No, it's all good. I'm, I'm, I'm the only practice I'm ever attending this year is August 5th. Yeah, ha- has not went to one single Packer practice <laughs> until August 5th. <laughs> until August 5th. And then, you know, that might be my only one of the year. We'll see. Um, but no, uh, that's, that's an important day, Nelson. Uh, yeah, I know. We have the biggest it's, golf outing of the year. It's very, very important It's the day. fifth
2: major in the PGA. <laughs>
0: it is, yes.
2: And I don't, you, know. I don't but, know what the, what the uh, players is, but uh, the zone golf scramble. Well, you still have, and you
0: still have a single. Uh, available to, to fill, right? We do. We have one single. Yes. So you got, you got to get that filled. Um, y- here's the thing. If you don't fill it, Nelly, I'll play. If you can't fill it, I'll play.
2: That is officially air checked. 803 <laughs> Friday,
0: July 29th. But that is, I, I should probably, it's a shotgun start, right? Yeah, it is. All right. So I just feel bad for the people behind me. That's what I'm trying to say. Oh, we got it spaced out. Okay, we got
2: it. We got it perfectly for the number of people and spaced out. There shouldn't be a ton of issue. Okay, we, we're not running into the eight people on one hole thing.
0: Yeah, that's again. I, I'm just worried about the people behind me because losing. How many? What's the most balls you ever lost on a course?
2: <sighs> there was one where I was playing a course where there's like a lot of long grass in front of you, and you're kind of like up on you know a little bit of. Uh, Higher inclined like tee box, yeah. and just long grass all over, and it's really only opens up in the fairways. And I could not get off the tee box to save my life that day. So I would say probably close to ten.
0: Okay, I feel like I could lose twenty on the first nine. The way that I, the way that I slice the ball, like it, when it's, go, it's it goes off like that, it's, it's going. The only way it'd be good to go is if it was like a dog leg right, like that'd be the only thing I'd be good at. <laughs> dog leg right well there are a few of those out there but i, um, I, I could do those for it those were most be easy. of the most of the holes are straight <laughs> yeah that's unfortunate because i do not hit it straight Sp- so
2: speaking of something straight and we'll go with straight balling we'll we'll say romeo dubs has
0: been straight balling at packer practice romeo dobbs has been straight balling. dubs i don't you can call him what you want i'm I'm gonna call him dubs and uh, all right excuse me, i'm gonna call him dubs <laughs> <laughs> see, yeah, see. But here's the thing: he said it's okay. You can call him Dubs or Dobbs, Dobbs proper pronunciation, and then you have Dobbs for his nickname. Dubs for his nickname. You can't even get it straight. I know. I'm... No one can get it straight. That's the thing. It's been a. It's been a long
2: week, man. It's been a really long week. But that. But that's the thing. Every single network says it differently. And every different expert or analyst or analyst or whatever, everyone says it Dubs or Dobbs. There has not been one concrete thing that I've heard, except from him. And I have never heard that audio. Really? No.
0: I, I, I to, only have your word. I have to go find it no, he he was literally asked how do you pronounce the name, and he said it's Dobbs, but you can call me Dubs. It's it's ridiculous, but yes. So he's good with either. But his his last name is pronounced Dobbs. But his nickname is Dubs. People call him Dubs. All I know. All Here's all I know. He was awesome in the last two days. These first two days. Well, that's and not only
2: him, because obviously he stole the show. Yes. But it sounds like that receiving core with Alan Lazard, supposedly Alan Lazard from some people
0: that were at practice looked pretty good, too. Yeah. I didn't find it overly impressive yesterday. I think he had like one catch yesterday.
2: See and now we're not at practice, so we have to go off of what
0: people at right. practice are saying. So maybe he had a great day day one. There there weren't him and Rogers were not on the same page yesterday. I think there were some there were certainly some miscommunication there. There were some balls that were not where uh, the receiver were was, and I don't know if that's a, a Rogers thing or if that was a Al Lazard thing. But look, he's going to be their number one receiver. But if Romeo Dobbs continues to play the way that he has he's going he's going to be an impact guy. So you so so far during camp you have Dobbs who's balling
2: out. You have Randall Cobb who's been there done that, probably has the best chemistry with Aaron Rodgers. Yep. Then you have what? Okay. Sammy Watkins and Christian uh Watson, both not participating. Not taking part. You have Samari Toure who
0: Roger's kind of talked up a little bit from that mini camp, but you haven't heard of anything since then. You know what's hilarious though? He he did talk him up. And he goes, "Yeah, that 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 other guy, that seventh round, he, that guy, he's got something." He didn't even use his name. So hey, that's I, better. That's I, better I, than nothing. I, I, but I kind of feel like if you're not using his name, how how comfortable and how confident are you in him? So yeah, that, you got that. And then I hear that Jawan Winfrey coming from Aaron
2: Rodgers' mouth Mr. is a guy camp. that he likes. Mister Training Camp. And then there, what is Malik Taylor healthy? I feel like he's a guy that's always on the injured list as well.
0: I did. I uh, I don't know. I he he didn't stand. I haven't out. heard his name. He didn't stand out yesterday. If he was out there, the only guy that we haven't mentioned that did kind of stand out had. I shouldn't say stand out. Had a, had a nice day. Our guy Danny Davis. Danny Davis. A little short crosser isn't he? Touchdown. Isn't he twenty? He is. He's number twenty. A little short crosser touchdown from Jordan Love in the goal line situation. He caught the ball well yesterday.
2: Man, I, I'm, is, not, I'm, it, no, I'm not
0: going to lie here. I kind of forgot that Danny Davis was on the Packers. It's a huge uphill climb for him. There's no doubt about it. I don't think he's going to make the roster, but I'm just, I am just mentioning him because he had a, a nice little touchdown yesterday. But from the guys that you
2: expect to be in the mix, it's, it's kind of, for lack of a better term, it's a mixed bag. It's like you're seeing the Dubs of the world or the Dobbs of the world playing well. You're you know that Randall Cobb and, and Aaron Rodgers are going to look good on the practice field together. You're not seeing your second round pick. You're not seeing Sammy Watkins, the bigger name, I guess you would say that was brought in. It's it's you're not seeing like your Tunyans that are out there completely, 100 percent goes. Well, and he's not even he's on the pup list. Exactly. With, with it's the, it's look, a little bit like. Yeah, there's some good things going here, but then there's like there's still a lot of question marks. And I know it's what we're on day three today of practice, but through two days,
0: it's like uh, there's good and there's bad. So what's a bigger concern then for you? Is it the offensive line? Some of the injuries there? Or is it the is it the uh, the wide receiver room? I actually think that it's the 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 tight end room's the biggest problem to me. And I do, I see that's kind of where I disagree because Martellus you have Martellus Bennett actually Martellus Bennett. Mercedes Lewis. <laughs> that, that, was a, that was an experience. Um, yes. You have Mercedes Lewis, who's going to be there for you and, and produce. You have, uh, you're going to get Tunyon back. You also uh, get a guy in, in Davis who has had a couple touchdowns yesterday. They have, you have Dominic Daphne. You, there are bodies there that have played a lot of football for, for Green Bay.
2: This is why I went with tight ends. Because we, we were talking about this probably a couple months ago. And the reason why I'm more skeptical about the tight ends versus the wide receivers, the wide receivers, we know what we're going to get out of uh, Sammy Watkins and Randall Cobb. I, I think, know. do you think, you know what you're going to get out of
0: Sammy Watkins? Cause I don't know.
2: I think you're going to get a guy that is serviceable, but he's not great. And who knows how long he can stay healthy. Like, I think the seal, ceil- the ceiling for Cobb and Watkins at this point in their career is if they stay healthy. It's not that they can do all these different things where they're just a, you know, electric playmaker on the field. It's, To get the best out of them is be available all season. So were you disappointed they didn't go out and add a a bigger name then? I would have liked a bigger name. So Julio Jones? I wasn't on the Julio. Julio Jones was very A.J. Greenish to me.
0: Sammy Watkins had better numbers than uh, Julio Jones last year.
2: Well, and Sammy Watkins was a guy that if you go back, was it two years ago when he was with Kansas City? I thought he he did his job. He might not have had the numbers, but he did his job well. They weren't asking him to be a guy that was a thousand yard receiver. You had Tyreek Hill, you had Travis Kelsey, you had what uh uh Oh, I can't think of his name. Little guy. Yeah. But you had you had three, four guys that were like ahead of him on that roster, and he wasn't he wasn't a top option. And he, he did his role extremely well. Look at the Super Bowl. Who is the, uh, Now, that's years ago, but that's kind of how you have to talk about Sammy Watkins when he doesn't stay
0: healthy. All right. So you the wide receiver group in general, you're, you've got questions. Is Alan Lazard a number one wide receiver? In Absolutely league? not. OK. Alan Lazard is a is a good three. I don't think that's I don't think that's unfair. I He could be a two. He could be a two. He had a, he finished the season really well. Like he had six touchdowns in the last uh, half of the season. But if if Romeo Dobbs comes in and he gives you a low level two,
2: I, I feel like that's something the Packers that would be huge, right? Because we're we're talking about Green Bay. What do we know? Pretty much all of those receivers that we've listed, the best of the best right now, from what you can expect, are probably threes. On most teams. Yeah. Watkins is a three. Here's the thing. Cobb is a three. Like, and that's at their best.
0: Well, I mean, at Cobb's best, he was number one. But like, right now. Right now, right his now. best yeah. is not a number one. No. The thing about it is, is they have so many um, different guys that I kind of, I, I, you want it, you want a Devontae Adams, right? Like, you, you want that guy because you can go to him uh, pretty much all the time. But it also, and I know people have talked about this all offseason, Going to force Aaron Rodgers to open it up. He's not going to just zone in on one guy. Like there's not going to be that. You're not worded gonna...
2: on the street at practice is Aaron Rodgers has looked pretty good once again.
0: Again, I only saw one practice. I only got to see yesterday's practice. Wasn't there on on Tuesday to open or on Wednesday when when it opened up. I didn't think he was especially sharp yesterday. I, I don't. I don't know who. I assume. I'm just just Twitter in general, like okay. all the people all right. that follow practice. There was a lot of raving that Aaron Rodgers looks like he's MVP form again. I mean, it's just an easy tweet to to make. To be honest with you, he's he's made some great throws. There's there's no doubt about it. There, but there were a few passes behind guys that I think it was just a timing thing. But he's going to be forced to to push the ball around, and his best games, some of his best games, have been when he does not have a number one guy that he can force the ball to. It's him playing within the offense. There are guys going to be running open because Matt Lafleur's scheme is to get guys schemed open and running open. And whether you have a number one or not, that's going to happen. See, my biggest thing with why I'm question, like I
2: question the tight ends more, is because I feel like you have a lot more guys with upside in the wide receiver room than you do in the tight end room. Like they, they love Tyler Davis. I know that. Well, I'll get to that. Okay, but Dobbs is a guy that it looks like there's more upside than what. Most people originally thought. Everyone is pretty high on what Christian Watson yeah. because of the athletic ability. The athletic ability. You, th- you think that he's a guy that hopefully will show flashes at times next yeah. year yeah. and then he'll have like a big drop and you'll be like, <clears throat> want to rip your hair out. You know what you're getting in Cobb and Watkins when healthy. But then there's just, there's just some of those guys that if they take a little bit of a jump, maybe they could be decent. Alan Lazard, if he can continue to get better, maybe that's a bigger impact for the Packers. But for tight end, this is why I'm questioning it. We know exactly what Mercedes Lewis is. He is a blocking tight end that is approaching 40
0: quickly and yet he had his best receiving season in quite some time last year. He
2: he is not going to be any better than he was the year before. At best, I think we can hope that he is the exact same.
0: Do you think he's, he's, you know, he's going to be able to push the ball down the field?
2: I don't, I don't <laughs> think so. I don't think this is the Mercedes Lewis that was a great receiving tight end in Jacksonville.
0: Yeah, I mean, he averaged 9.3 yards a catch last year.
2: I think he's probably going to be pretty consistent. He'll be a dump off here and there, and he's going to be the blocker. The thing, the reason why I'm questioning this is because we know what a lot of those lower level tight ends are. We know the Dominic Daphne's of the world. I think we kind of know what Josiah Guar is. We've seen the more we've seen of them.
0: They're end of the roster tight ends. They're they're NFL tight ends, but they're not great. I think Josiah DeGuar has got more in them. We saw that against Detroit that long that long screen that he had the run in the in the season finale last year. I think he's got more in him and he's another he's a year separated from that from his ACL now.
2: I'll give you this though. Tyler Davis is the one that everyone has been raving about not only this year but even at the end of last year because didn't they grab didn't they grab him off waivers from a uh, was it the Bills? I don't remember exactly. But they were raving about him towards the end of last year about this guy might be something in the future. And it kind of reminded me of how they were talking about uh Tunyon back in the day where he was a guy that made the end of the roster was kind of a guy that they saw as like an athletic guy that might, if he hit his potential, might mold into a pretty decent tight end because he kind of has the size and the attributes. That's kind of what Tyler Davis is to me. But the reason why I don't feel super confident is because Bobby Tunyon still isn't practicing and he's by far your best tight end right now on the roster when healthy and no other guy. I think on that roster you can say is a real game changer at the tight end position right now. Like Tyler Davis might be that by week six, but he's not right now. No, he's not. And we know everyone else is kind of where they're at. That's why I feel like you don't have a ton of upside at the tight end room, especially if Tunyon doesn't come back from an injury.
0: Well, I mean, he's, he's going to be back again. His injury same game as uh the Kylan Hill injury against Arizona that Thursday night game. Uh it happened like two minutes apart. Yeah, like yeah. So but he looks good. Tyler Davis, a couple touchdowns yesterday. He catches the ball really well. The, I don't know if like you the Bobby the Robert in comparison comparison's a very good one, uh because of what how they got to where they you know Moved up, right? Like how how well, it took both, some time. They're both kind of how it bigger, took some time. more
2: athletic dudes that yeah. were, they, they show potential and they're like, because you remember when Tunyon was like a young player, he made the end of the roster, but then forced in there from injuries. It was like, you saw a couple catchers like, man, this guy looks like he could be something. But then at other times it was like, and eh, it's just kind of blah. Well,
0: but you think about him, his first like big game was when uh, that touchdown, or his first touchdown was in the Seahawks game when Rodgers just chucked it up there, that 55-yarder. Um, and it was like, oh, okay. But then it took a while for them to make that next jump. He didn't make that jump until 2020. And, and then you like, think about
2: that, that that was later into his career. Like, Bobby Tunyon's not a young player. Like, he had been around for a while. That first he, year was 2018.
0: Yeah, he started coming into
2: his own when he hit his mid-20s.
0: Yeah, no, when he, yeah, he had... 10 catches in 2019, and then he blew up in 2020 with the 52 catches and 11 touchdowns. He was not off to a great start last year. Now, that may have changed, might have changed as the season went along. Um, it felt like maybe he was kind of rounding in a form right before that injury. But yeah, I... Yeah, Tonya, 28 years old. He didn't, but he didn't pop into the scene until
2: 2020. He would have been 26. Yeah. Most players don't even make it to age 26 in the NFL. Right.
0: Yes. He, uh... Yes, I I understand where you're coming from in terms of not having the potential, right? The the, the guy with the, just the highest potential. And we've seen so many guys come out of college and move into those spots and have huge potential and huge athleticism, and they just don't have that guy right Sounds now. Sounds like
2: you're not a prospect guy in baseball. What's, what's that?
0: <laughs> no, there's some people that
2: are like, can't get rid of the prospects. A lot of potential down there. Yeah. But then obviously we know in baseball, not many guys actually make it that have a lot of ability. Over the line, been a lot of football heavy talk so far. Gonna transition here. Weirdly enough, Zach, you brought up the <laughs> baseball, and I know baseball is your favorite sport. It is; it's right up there with with
0: uh, hockey and soccer. Oh, I thought you were gonna say croquet and hopscotch and lacrosse. You know, I am just a just a huge, huge baseball guy. But I was thinking about it because I saw it last night. I saw that the, what they were asking for, and or you know, the trade deadline coming up here real quickly. I just thought about it. I'm like, do the Brewers even have like the Brewers? Okay. Have, believe it or enough, not, have enough prospects to actually make that a trade worth. You know while? how the
2: Brewers got, you know, crapped on the last couple of years for having a really sure. bad farm system after they made a lot of moves to improve their team in 18, 19. Yeah, it's true. It's not like they have a top system. It's not like they're ranked in the top five or anything like that. But over the last few years, it's become respectable. It's not that they're great, but they have legit pieces that they could trade that are coveted by other teams. Like, if you look at their current top prospects, you have Jackson Cheerio, who he's in the top 100. He's in the, actually in the top 50 for prospects. And if you see what the numbers he's putting up in A Ball, what he has done at, at that age that he's doing it, he's only 18 years old. Yeah. He's being the numbers he's putting up were only rivaled by certain players. It was like a half a dozen. And those names included Ken Griffey Jr., uh, Bryce Harper, Wander Franco, who's the 20-year-old shortstop that the Tampa Bay Rays traded um, Adamas to open up a position for. And it was like a few more. Basically, all of those guys outside of Wander Franco, who's only played roughly a full year in Major League Baseball, they're all guys that you'll probably see in the Hall of Fame. So he he's an elite company at this age at that level. Yeah, he's highly coveted. He's in the top. I think it's roughly forty. Yeah. Then you have Sal Frelick, who was a first round pick. I think it was two years ago. He is in the top sixty. You have Joey Weimer, who we actually talked to in twenty twenty. He was like a first, uh, fifth round pick, and I he was one of the guys I like. So I tried to get some of the guys on. Only guy that said yes. He was sitting on his family's porch, wondering when he was going to actually go hit a baseball again because that was the 2020 year. Well, now he's just been mashing the baseball the last year and a half. He's a big boy. He's 6'5", like 230, plus he's fast with a cannon, and he hits it about 450 feet. He's in the top 65 for prospects. And then you forget about uh, uh, Bryce Mitchell, who was a first-round pick. Or Garrett Mitchell, sorry. And... He was in the top 100 until he started uh, missing games due to injuries, which was one of the things that had plagued him at UCLA. But you got to imagine he is a – and he's been mashing the ball since he got healthy the last week or two. So he's been playing a lot better. And then on top of that, you have uh, Bryce Terang, another guy that was in the top 100 just a year or two ago. So they probably have at this point probably five guys that are in that top 150. That would be coveted by a lot of players, and we—I think we all know—Bryce Tarang is uh, ready to play at the major league level as he's tearing it up in AAA. It's just—it's hard to fit him in when you have Wong, Adamas, uh Arias, and then you have like your Mike Brasso's that are playing all over. So you just mentioned
0: the top five guys, right? Would you give up four of them to get Shohei Otani? See that—that's if, the if, thing. If—if if, if that was even a thing, and four of those guys are outfielders.
2: The, so, I normally I would say yes, even though I do have a, a thing for Joey Weimer since I pegged him back in 2020 as a guy that I liked. He's since like you, my Keston
0: here of 2020. Since you talked to him for five, for, for no, ten, no, for that's five, the ten, reason ten why I reached out to him is because I liked his profile. Yeah. What, uh, is the, uh, is the jury in on his, uh, he, he's his my, he's my Keston here of 2020. <laughs> Jury's out. Can
2: he hit? But it's like, the normally I would say yes. The two that if I had to say, oh, I would never trade, would be Weimer, but that also kind of falls into a personal thing with yeah. me, mm-hmm. kind of like the Keston Hira stuff. But the one that I would have a hard time really parting ways with is the Jackson Cheerio. Because when you see what he's doing at the age he's doing it, at the level he's playing at, and you see the names that are the only guys to do it at that same level, but it's, also- it's it's hard
0: to turn away from a guy that... Mm. It is. He's in among Hall of Famers. The only way you would do it is if you felt the guy that you're getting back makes you a potential World Series contender. Because I don't think right. You could disagree with me at this point, based on what the Dodgers have done, and especially if they end, if they somehow add. They're Want going Soto. to add. Uh, they're going to add. Might not be Soto, but they'll add. But like, if, if potentially, like they've been talked about, as is, is obviously in that mix. Would adding. A Shohei Ohtani, and again, it's not going to happen. Brewers. I mean, I don't envision the Angels doing it. But if it if it were to happen, does it make the Brewers favorites? No, it doesn't. So it'd be, I think, it'd be difficult to to pull that that uh, that off and just do it and just essentially say, screw the future, we're going in for it right now. I don't know if they have enough uh, to be to make well. To if be if a you World don't have a, if you
2: don't think they have enough to be a World Series contender, I don't know if they would be willing to part ways with enough prospects to go out and get said players. But I think if you look at how this roster is constructed, we know that almost everybody is under control through 2024 outside of a few players and majority of the important ones. I think with the fact that Hader is on his last year of arbitration next season and you have everyone else that's due in 2024, I think they make small moves this year, like maybe add a center fielder and an arm, or maybe they decide that maybe they want Wong or Arias as like a utility player or a backup, and they bring in like a big bat at third base. I don't see them necessarily going out and and really trying, not even for the Juan Sotos, but for the even the better bats under them. Yeah, I would say if they were going to do it, you continue to add to that farm system through the draft this year, and even. The draft next year before the trade deadline, then you unload. Then you go for it because Hader would be in his last year. You know that you don't, if you're going to move out, like how many of these starting pitchers do you think they actually resign between uh, Lauer, Hauser, Woody, Burns, Peralta's under contract already, but those four, all of them are up in 2024. Two. Maybe I would say one and you hope it's Burns. All right. I mean, it Burns is the one that you have to resign. And that's why I don't think you, I, as a Milwaukee Brewer fan, the dumbest thing I've seen by front offices in recent memories is probably the Colorado Rockies. And they did not extend Trevor story and they did not trade Trevor story. They let Trevor story become a free agent. And then he walked to Boston. You got absolutely nothing for him. You weren't a playoff contender. Why would
0: you not flip them? It's not like you were winning. And it's then, dumb. And then they went ahead and did this. They did that differently though with with uh, Arenado. And that was the the time before. But
2: they actually got something. That's what I'm for saying. Arenado. They actually traded away well Arenado. It doesn't make sense. That's the same thing I think with like Woodruff and some of these guys. I think. Not this year, but next season, I would look into dealing Brandon Woodruff. You're going to get a lot back for him. There's no doubt. I don't think they actually signed Woody. If you look at, he's already, what, 29-ish years old, I think. So he'll be 30. I think he's like roughly 30 by the time that's up. Do you really want to even extend Woody for a longer deal when he'd be, you know, 35? That's an older pitcher. I mean, he's 29 right now. Exactly. So he'll be 30 by the time that you'd be looking to extend him. Burns 27. Little old or little younger, better. I think you look to extend Burns. I think everyone else walks, and you're going to need starting pitching because you already locked up Ashby. You already have Peralta locked up. Your small. top three of uh, of Ashby, Peralta, and Burns is still pretty damn good. And then Small, Small is still available. Oh, you don't like him, do you? I'm. I no. I'm. I think he's fine. He's all right. I'm not ready to to throw you know, fire on his career because he didn't look great in two starts.
0: I mean, if you were to do that, then you would have thrown fire and you would throw a bunch of uh, a bucket of water on what happened with um, with Ashby last year. Oh, exactly. That was the thing. It was like people don't understand that Ashby, he looked bad his first two starts last year. Yes, the, the Chicago game. That was the most, that was the craziest game ever. He got ro- launched or he got rocked in the first like inning and then they came back and, He's twenty two he's twenty two years old. Yeah. He's twenty two years old, making his major league
2: debut, and the first couple starts didn't go well. He settled in, he looked fine. I guess it is a little bit different because Ethan
0: Small's already twenty five.
2: Yeah. See, I'm not I'm not saying he's not going to be anything. I'm just saying, let's pump the brakes here. But you're on a tighter timeline than people like Aaron Ashby or even Corbin Burns pre twenty twenty. Like Aaron Ashby and Corbin Burns both won minor league pitchers of the year for the Brewers earlier before they obviously surfaced well both of them were extremely ashby was actually younger than burns when he surfaced in the big leagues and we saw burns come up in 18 look pretty decent in spot starts and was pretty good out of the bullpen it was horrible in 2019 exactly but then he comes back changes a few things looks pretty decent in 2020 and then has been off and running from there yeah there was always a ton of talent between Corbin Burns, but they're comparing Corbin Burns to and Aaron Ashby as Aaron Ashby. They believe is the left-handed Corbin Burns. Maybe not quite as high of a ceiling, but he's right there. So I think those three are still a really good three that'll be young. Well, they'll still be decently young and controllable and cheap outside of Burns, who you're going to have to spend the house on. But I think you got to you go all in after this season, because that's your timeline. You're not going to keep Woody. You're not going to want to keep Hauser. You're not going to want to keep Lauer. They're all guys that are going to be close to 30 years old that you're just not going to want to pay that much money because you are the Brewers. If you're the Yankees, different story. You can afford to say, Hey, let me throw 200 million at Woody. Let me throw 300 million at Burns. We'll find someone else. That's decent. doesn't matter to me, but the Brewers, I can't
0: do that. I feel like Burns is going to end up back in California.
2: I mean, if, I w- if personally, if I was Corbin Burns, I would say, you know, I want a little bit more control over when I come in and out of games. <laughs> and if you're going to pull me in the seventh inning when I have 80 pitches, I'm going to go sign where I can make more money and have more control of how I pitch.
0: Hmm.
2: Maybe. Nine o'clock hour, final hour of over the line for the week. Started off a little rough, no
0: doubt about that. <laughs> I don't think you could have Well, Washington said you could have gotten in an accident or something, but I don't know if you could have a worse start than you had this morning. But you know what,
2: Zach? Sometimes you have to you have to deal with that those type of things to become better.
0: Well, for anybody that did miss it, I got a call about 10 minutes before we're supposed to go on the air. No, no, no. About 15. Okay, about 15 minutes before we're supposed to go on the air. It's Nelson. I'm never on this. I'm never on the show. Ever. <laughs> Ever. And certainly not running it. And I get a call from him saying... Yeah, I'm in the oh I'm in the flow lane. Flex lane. Flex lane on the belt line. My car just stopped working. I'm on John Nolan Drive. I'm not gonna be able to I don't think I'm gonna be able to make it. I'm like holy <clears> I'm like, what am I supposed to do? What what what's going on here? What am I gonna do? And you're just yeah, I don't I don't know. What I don't know what you're gonna do. I don't know. <laughs> just, just just make it work. Just uh just sit down and, and, and make it work. I think actually one of the things I said is well, I think RJ said he was gonna come in. <laughs> no, no, I was like RJ, I think's gonna be there at six thirty. I'll I'll text him. He'll ask him to come in for the first. He and luckily he did. He walked in here at six oh one, about the same time as you called, and uh, it worked out. But hey, check your gas gauge. When when your gas gauge is that low, get some gas. Get sometimes some gas. you
2: got to push it to the limit, and sometimes you come up short. You came up short. Needed about five more minutes worth of gas. Yes, <laughs> but but you made it. We made it. We're all good. Speaking of somebody that some people thought was out of gas before the All Star break, Josh Hader. Now I love that you brought up eh, probably about forty minutes ago now that uh, Juan Soto is out there and the Shohei Ohtanis are out there, and then you always have like your your media. It's like, can the Brewers do it? Or they'll try and be funny and send out sources. Shohei and the Angels are showing interest in potential Brewers
0: deal. We all know that the level of that is extremely low. What's well, like the Packers being involved in free agent discussions or this? They're in every conversation, and that's how their name gets put into it. It's like the Julio Jones thing. They, yeah, the, the Packers were showing interest. Well, eh, do you were, think were they were they or were they just in the conversation trying to see exactly what it might take to get him?
2: Do you think they treat? David Stearns and the Milwaukee Brewers kind of like how I may treat certain callers that call in all the time. Just ignore, ignore. Know that it's them because they want to be in on every conversation. But also put them on hold for very long periods of time until I get through the other callers or we have our internal conversations to know where, where we are at and what we're all thinking. And then I obviously hear the initial probably better offers and then say, you know what? It's kind of been some time. Stearns is on the other line and I, you know, Maybe it's about some white walls, but maybe we should listen to him for a second.
0: Yeah. see,
2: I don't think Stern sounds drunk, though, once you finally get him on.
0: (laughs) No, probably not. And he, I don't know how often he goes to Vegas. Uh, Probably not often. But the thing about it is, I don't know if they're in uh, every conversation, but I do think they get used. Like a lot. Used as leverage. It's it's more, more so in free agency. I'm talking about the Packers, but also the Brewers. It, they get used as, as leverage to to get more out of somebody else because oh yeah the packers were calling well i bet they were and they heard what you wanted and they said no but Maybe, hey, let's have throw you it seen out their wide anyway.
2: receiver room of course they called about every single wide receiver right
0: yes so i like i feel like they are probably in just every conversation and then they get used to to drive up uh the price
2: well i'm sitting there and I, I know that there was like a few people that thought it was funny to say like show Yotani to the Brewers as a maybe there's real, there's some real movement here. There's not. Do you think in your right mind that if we already see that the Brewers have signed Christian Yelich to this long-term deal, which at the time was very team friendly, but if you don't live up to that deal, it becomes very not team friendly very quick.
0: Is it not team friendly right now? It is not. Okay. I think everyone knows that. Okay. So you, you're like, and now they're going to trade for Otani? Is that what you're saying? But that's,
2: but that's what I'm saying. It's like, do you think after ponying up that much money for Yelich, you're going to pony up that much
0: money to sign him to an extension? Well, no, that's the problem. That's the question here I'm asking. That's why he's going to be a free agent very, very soon. I think he's got one more year left. Right. That's why giving up all those prospects, like, that's the biggest question. Because you're not going to be able to resign him. So it would be like giving up all those prospects and you're saying we need to win the World Series this year or next or this was not worth it. Like, that's you have to same be in thing. the position mind-wise to say we're going to go for it. That's
2: the same thing with uh, Soto. He's got two years after this. Do you think that they will be able to or would be able to or want to muster up the money to re-sign him? The Brewers, no. And that's where it's like, would I love to see Juan Soto play in the outfield for the Milwaukee Brewers? Of course, Juan Soto was a man among boys when he was 19 playing in Major League Baseball. He'd look great in the outfield in in Brewer colors. I love it. I'd probably get a jersey. Though that jersey would probably be, you know, old in two years. But it's like if they were actual, if they were like the Yankees or they were a team that maybe even the Cubs that spend money or the Phillies. Yeah, be all over it. I'd consider doing it. Juan Soto's 23 years old. Even if you let him go through arbitration the next 2 years and sign him to a a 12-year deal, he'd be 37. He's only going to be s 20, 25 years old when he comes to his the end of his arbitration. That's just entering his prime. And I know I heard some people maybe potentially on these airwaves talk about how, you know, Christian Yelich, you know, Christian Yelich He's at he's at his peak or he he peaked at 25. I'm sorry, nobody peaks at 25. Christian Yelich never would have had 18 or 19 if he peaked at 25. I kind of feel like you peaked at 25. That's probably even earlier. <laughs> but like I would love Juan Soto. I don't I don't think being that the Brewers can't sign him long term, it's worth giving up your top prospects. That's what I'm getting at. And if I had to choose, I'd rather have Soto. Over, over Otani, and my reason being is I think you actually give up more for Shohei Otani because he's he's quite cheaper. I think he's like six and a half million versus Juan Soto's like twenty or seventeen, whatever it is. But at the same time, he's not as he's a dual player. They're going to sell him as one of the best pitchers in baseball, and they're going to sell him as one of the best hitters in baseball.
0: Now, wouldn't you, So, but okay, but if everything's equal, which one would you take? I think I would still roll with Soto. Really? Because there's
2: we know as pitchers that they are fragile and they can get hurt. That already nullifies half of what Otani does, correct? Yes, but if but but even if it was just his offense. He's not as good offensively as Juan Soto. And the other big thing,
0: Otani's older than I am. I think he's twenty eight. Yes, he just turned twenty eight. Juan Soto's twenty three. Yeah. But again, this is what we're talking about. Well, and you would I guess have two more years with Soto without having and, to give him and an he, extension. By the way, he is smart
2: for turning down that 15 years, $440 million. If you look at how arbitration has climbed for some of those top players like that, he probably makes in the mid to upper 20 millions through arbitration next year. And then the following year, he's probably in the 30s. And if you go back and look at that deal, over 15 years, it's only like an average of, was it 28 or 29 million a year? So he's almost going to make that in his between his two arb years, and then it's only we're going. We only see money go up and up and up and up for free agents, and he's still only going to be twenty five, and he can sign a ten to fifteen year deal at twenty five because someone's going to pay for it, yeah. and he's going to make way more money doing it that way.
0: I think the I think Washington was just trying to save face, right? Like we look what we did. We offered all this money. We 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 did everything we possibly could. He didn't say he didn't accept it. So that's not our fault. Don't hate us because he doesn't want to be here. Also, I think the the gnats are kind of little sensitive. Yes,
2: sensitive little bees. Yeah, it's so like you, so. So callers can say it, but you can't. They're sensitive bitches. Okay, and and the reason why is because I just told you why it was smart for him to turn it down. That doesn't mean he doesn't want to be a
0: national. No, but I'm saying like. In the future, in the future, but I'm, what I'm saying is, like they say, face by offering this huge deal that seems impossible to turn down. Yeah, but, but then they you, cried. But as you just explained, no. But as you just explained, there's a lot more money available. Had he, if than than that 450, like it or 440, it should be more than that based on like the per average or the per year average. Like, so it's it's really they're trying to pull the wool over people's eyes.
2: Well, I think at the same time you can tell they're butt hurt. Because they were hoping to get him cheaper than what it would actually cost. Right. And then when he said no, they said, "Okay, well, maybe we'll trade you. And oh, by the way, when we fly you out to L.A., it's not going to be on the team jet. It's going to be commercial. So I hope you like stocking your luggage over the top of somebody else.
0: Man, it's a tough scene for him, having to having to uh, live with the, the norms in the, in the in. But you get in, you economy. get how that looks from a team where it's like, you're so butthurt that you're not going to let he them use He said no your... to $440 million that we tried to offer him. He doesn't want to be here. We'll do this. It's very, very petty. I, I'm, I'm on that petty level, though. I, that is something that I would definitely do. Like I
2: think if the Nationals continue to trade every piece they have away besides Juan Soto, and he sits there and just is Juan Soto for two years on a crappy team— He's Mike, that's Mike he, Trout. He might He he's, might still be open to signing long-term for the right amount of money if you continue to acquire players around him. But you have to get rid of players to acquire players. You just can't continuously be the team that wins 75 games.
0: I feel like they have that, that ship has sailed. Well, oh, it has now. That's but if they didn't do what they did, right. that could have been
2: a long-term thing. Yeah, play.
0: but, but it's, it's not.
2: But I wanted to run this by you because we're talking about big-time players That are coveted in certain positions that could get big time hauls, and one was it was the Milwaukee Brewers and the New York Yankees, and I want to say it was in two, but between it was before COVID, I think after nineteen, before twenty, there was an offer on the board, supposedly, allegedly, between the Yankees and the Brewers. Obviously, the Yankees would be acquiring Josh Hader, but the Brewers would have been uh, acquiring. It was Clint Frazier who was an outfielder. He was one of their top prospects at the time, had some big league experience flashed in those uh certain times. It was Miguel and Duhar who had a tremendous rookie season at third base for the Yankees. It was J.A. Happ to add another left-hander to that rotation, and I want to say it was like a low-level minor uh low-level uh, major league reliever and a low-level minor leaguer in general. So uh, on the surface Hader had only been good for what? Two and a half seasons at that point. That that was the asking price was technically at the time a starting third baseman, a starting pitcher, a bullpen arm, low level, and a Clint Frazier that was a top prospect. That was the haul. Now, a lot of people at the time, if you would have said, hey, here's the deal. I bet there were some people that would have considered it because they think, oh, Frazier comes right in and plays in the outfield. We need a third baseman in in Andujar. J.A. Happ will fit in nicely as the three or four in the rotation. The arm is just another arm. And then maybe the kid turns into a lottery pick or like a lottery ticket as the low-level minor leaguer. Yep. But you look and see how that looks now. Frazier was basically did not amount to anything with the Yankees.
0: He then was signed by Chicago. I don't even think he's played many games for the Cubs this year. He's played in 19 games for the Cubs this year, and uh, it hasn't been pretty.
2: And fell extremely short of expectations of what it originally was with the Yankees. And Duhar, who was coming off that great rookie year, has not been able to stay healthy or consistent since that rookie year. J.A. Happ would have gotten old Well, he's already old, but it would have gotten even older in that year or two, and he wouldn't have been on the roster.
0: Who knows? He still pitched pretty well last year. Who
2: knows what happens, though, with that reliever? He's probably on the roster for a year or two and then gone. And then the low-level guy. What is he? I'd say he's probably nothing. You end up getting nothing for Josh Hader. Essentially nothing.
0: Right. Now, at the time it looked like a decent deal, but that's that's the that's the risk of prospects. Always the risk of prospects. But right now you look at what... Josh Hader's ERA and I know ERA is is what it is. July 3rd it was one, 1.05. What do you think it is now? Uh I think it's like uh will go 440, 436. Yeah. He's never had an ERA higher than 3.79. He's never in the had season. a stretch worse than what he had. Yes. Would it be at this point, would you be selling him at a too low? If you if, if you were to move him, which I again, you, I don't think they're going to. I think to. you'd
2: be absolutely stupid to trade Josh Hader right now at this deadline. Yes, because you're trying to win now. If, if you're going to trade him, you would trade him this winter because you get that. The, the other team would be getting a full year of control and a potential extra time to work out a deal. Do you expect him to bounce back from what's going on right now? I, d- I do, but it was a little disheartening when you watched that last week and a half before the uh, All Star break because you're like, yeah, I think it was Grant Bills who kept saying, oh, you know, he always has these little lulls in July. He does, but nothing has looked this bad. Where right. I say I might want it at bat against Hater because I might want to sniff a hit.
0: Yeah, like I mean, it was that was bad. It, it, it doesn't get worse. Yeah, no, he's been he's been fine these in his first three appearances since the break, but those. I mean he gave up 6 runs against the Giants. He gave up 3 against the Twins.
2: Oh, trust me, we may have had a razor's edge bet on the Brewers that night.
0: I mean, it's just it was remarkable like he had gone so long without allowing a, a run. Remember that what was it? It ended up being like it was close like to 2 four. months. No, it ended up being like it was like 40 appearances, wasn't it? It was like 40 straight innings. I mean, between between last season and this season. Oh, I was for this
2: this season it was like the first 2 months he didn't give up like a run, hardly. right?
0: Yeah, right. And it's, and it's kind of falling away. Do, that's the question. Can he? If he gets back to being Josh Hader, this this winter. The only thing, this thing that winter, was could be is that
2: it was it was so much worse than anything we'd seen. Like we'd seen these lulls for like a couple of weeks, but it was nothing was that bad. So the, yeah, I guess. But I still I still go by this. There's only two guys on that Milwaukee Brewers team that I would lock up long term to big time deals. And when I say big time deals, big money for like five five to seven seasons. It's Josh Hader and it's Corbin Burns. And I would put Corbin Burns one on the to-do list. Hader two, just because I think we see that when Hader, Hader does have the lulls and he doesn't pitch. Every day. Every day. I mean, or even. You but know. neither does Burns. But right. Burns has more of a, he has more of a control on the games he does pitch in. If that yes. makes a little more it sense. Does. He's going seven versus one. It does. But it- no one else is worth locking up.
0: Who do you want to lock up? I don't want any of the hitters. Well, again, we talked about this. We're talking about guys are coming up here in the next year or two, right? Yeah. Yeah. So like a guy like Devin Williams doesn't enter into this conversation. No, no,
2: Yeah. Devin Williams. I'm not even thinking about a contract. I mean, he still has three more years after this and it's going to be cheap as hell. So unfortunately that's how it is for arbitration and baseball and control. So, and he's not going to have a new CBA deal because they just finished it. So it is what it is, but like, who on the offensive side of of the baseball do you want to sign an extension? Who? Nobody. Exactly. Your catching position, they've been okay. You're not going to bring back... Or you're only bringing back Caratini because he's under Arb next year. Omar Narvaez will not be a Brewer. He's gone. First base. Do you want to sign Rowdy to an extension? I think you just want him to play him on arbitration. Second base, Colton Wong will be gone. I don't think they want to pay him ten million dollars
0: for what he did this year. And his and age is certainly. He's not getting it yeah, he's right. in he's in his early thirties. He's thirty one. And you feels, have, it feels a lot older. You have Willie
2: Adamas who is he really that good to give a big time extension to he's, he's solid, but you're going to take him on this little short arb deal and he's going to play two
0: more seasons for cheap. And he's only 26, but he's only, I should say he's only 26, but does he do enough for you to be a big time extension guy? Well, I think that there's a chance for him to be that guy. It's just right now, this season, he hasn't been, obviously the injuries played a role, but batting a guy batting two fifteen, And I know that batting average kind of like ERA is not something that you necessarily pay attention to. He's got power it's it's kind of hit or miss, but no, I would not. And
2: then Luis Arias is super young, and you don't have to worry about any extension in the next few years, but at the same time, has he played to a level that you're like, all right, we got to get our money, our our our, our
0: dollars in a row to, to sign him to an extension? Well, that's also the other problem. Where is he playing? I mean, he, he's, Second, ob- short, he's, he's obviously versatile. He can play them all, but is he great at any of them? Is he... Here's the thing with Arias has some really good hands
2: and he makes a lot of tough plays in the field with his glove. What I've noticed from Marius watching him for the last few years, you don't let him think, right? It, it when he makes the crazy play flashing leather and it's like, "Man, that was some good hands to just get the ball in your glove." And then he's got to make that bang bang play where he doesn't have to think and he just gets up and whips it. Kids amazing. Yeah. But when he has all the, you know, all the time in the world and Santa Claus is jogging down to first base,
0: he overthrows it. That's a guy like Keston, though, too. He, the Bre- he's, he's he's not an infielder. He's an outfielder. How many times have you yelled that at me?
2: A lot. A lot. <laughs> and I could yell about him for, like, the last half hour of the show about how the Brewers are tanking his career. Jury's in. He is not an infielder. But then he, we'll even go in the outfield. You're stuck with Yellich unless some other team is crazy
0: enough to take on that money. I do like him better at the top of the lineup, though. Cause he, he, he does get on base because is, it's not, because usual.
2: you like him better at the top of the lineup because historically in baseball, the guy that bats first should get on base, which he does, but not third because historically they're supposed to be your best hitter, right?
0: Yes, <laughs> I agree, <laughs> but it's, it's, what, it's he is supposed to be your, you sign him to be third in your lineup, right? You give him that monster contract because he's going to be the third guy in your lineup, not because he's going to be batting leadoff and getting on base. Because he's he's walking and batting 254. like that, like that's not exactly what you're what you're looking for from a, a guy you're paying that type of money to.
2: Exactly. And then just going around the rest of the, the diamond for the Brewers here real quickly, you're not signing McCutcheon to an extension. No. Clearly Johnny Jonathan Davis is not clearly getting... But then you look at Renfro and you go what do you want to do with Renfro? The guy's been really good when he's been healthy and he's been pretty good since he supposedly figured out some little kink in his swing a few years, you know, two, three years ago because he was a guy coming up for the Padres top prospect. big time Big time power hitter. Was supposed to be great and... It was kind of the, I mash home runs or I strike out. And he's become a lot better player since those early Padre days. And it seems like it just clicked the last few years. But look at where he's at. You'll have him next year under arbitration. And then I want to say he'll be in his early 30s as well. He's already 30. Exactly. So he'll be be going on his 32 season by the time you would have to look at an extension. Do you really want to sign that to an extension? It's just not the age you want to be tied to a lot of money with. And look at... They were smart not to let Cel Garcia, who was also in his early thirties, same kind of same timeline, had a career year like Renfro. Look at what he's doing in
0: Miami—garbage. Yeah, uh, Lucky Dog on uh, Twitter says prospects are fool's gold.
2: I think there is a lot to that, but you can't have you can't have a good team if you don't have prospects.
0: You know what I mean? It's kind of like that thing. It's like they are fool's gold, but you still need them, right? And it's not always fool's gold. I mean, sometimes those guys work out, right? And it's like the thing
2: with all of them, like I said, if it wasn't more of like a personal thing with uh, me and Joey Weimer being like, that was my guy in that draft, I can put that aside right now. The only guy I probably wouldn't trade would be Cheerio. And, and, it's, it's, and the only reason why is because of the numbers he's putting up at that level, at that age, that's only comparable to some of the better players that we've seen. I don't think I could part ways on a guy that's, he was an international signee at like 16 or 17. I could not turn that away because you got him cheap as hell. And it would be the Brewers luck that they end up getting say Juan Soto and he's a nice player. Right. And you have him for a couple of years and say they even get an extension done and you have Juan Soto for say it's a five year extension because I couldn't get it all done and say he's 30 and, He walks, and the Brewers had nice seasons, but they never quite did it because Yelich was still eating up too much money and whatever. And then Cheerios comes up and is just like a freaking god, and he is like a Juan
0: Soto at age 20, and you could have had him for pennies. Who's who's the prospect that they've traded away that that has happened, and you're like, I wish he was here today?
2: I would say there's Ever. not there's not a ton of them but I would say the two that come to mind right away I loved I love 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 Lorenzo Cain when he first got called up cuz he was a kid that came up and hit like 300 in his short time and Mike Cameron who I really respect in the outfield who was a long-time vet said this kid's going to be great he's he's Cain. phenomenal in he the was. outfield yeah. and then he gets dealt in that grinky deal and goes on to have a pretty nice career with Kansas city and then comes back to Milwaukee and still has another you know year and a half of really good play. But that was one, the other one that comes to mind and it wasn't even like a, a thing at the time, but it's like, if we could go back in time hindsight, 2020 and change it, I would say maybe we shouldn't have allowed Michael Brantley to be the player to be named later in C. C. Sabathia deal. <laughs> Cause he happened to be a pretty good player and is still a really good player. But would you give that up for, What CC? Yeah. No, I still would take CC in 2008 because we hadn't seen it. Yeah. Like I wasn't alive in 1982. I wasn't alive in 1989. I only witnessed. What was 1989? Just the last year of the decade of the 80s where the Brewers were actually decently
0: good. I was going to say they didn't make the playoffs.
2: No, but that was like when they're in the AL East where they were like good, but they couldn't get past like the the Yankees and all the other AL East teams. They would always finish
0: like consistently third when it would be like the top two. What do you think about? I know he, I think he was part of the trade as well. Alcides Escobar,
2: indifferent. Okay, I mean he was never that great. He was a sure-handed uh, infielder.
0: He never really did much with the stick. Okay, I'm trying. I'm trying to think who's in that spot instead of him. I'm trying was to think it, of. It wasn't somebody Hardy, other- was it? Who Hardy? Was that before or after? No,
2: I think they had just traded Hardy, if I remember correctly, to um, Minnesota. Uh, Minnesota for Gomez. Okay. Because that was when they they had that real rough stretch where yeah, it was I, like... Yeah, that's my bad. Hardy was 2010. They had that real rough stretch of shortstops, and then they had El Escobar. Right. Who was super young. Yes. Um, but yeah, not, no one off the top of my head was like the guy that they actually traded away. I know Laporta, if you remember going back to CCDL, was big deal, was a big-time prospect. Never worked out. But, it yeah, he, he never worked out. He wasn't yeah. good. Matt Gamble. Yeah. I don't know. You know, Matt Gamble gets a lot of crap, but I don't know if it was really Matt Gamble's fault. I don't think we ever got to see full potential Matt Gamble because he tore his knee up like three different times, like boom, 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 and he never was the same not saying he would have been great, but he was supposed to be really good. And then it was like, Hey, get to the big leagues and his knee couldn't stay together. Right. Other than that though, I'm I'm trying to think of, I mean, Braun made it to the majors. Prince Fielder made it to the majors. Ricky weeks made it to them. Like a lot of the guys that they actually had back in those times, they actually did surface in the majors. They didn't trade them away. Ben sheets was in the majors. Yeah. I, Milwaukee also doesn't make a ton of big trades for big time players. <laughs> right so they're not trading away top prospects. Right? Yes. Like CC Sabathia, Zach Grinky, Mike Mustakis
0: are kind of outliers. Are any of the guys that they traded for Christian Yelich? That was like, I mean, it they haven't none of them been any good for Dog the most crap. part. For the most part. Brinson, crap. Harrison, Diaz, uh Yam- Yamamoto. Brinson I couldn't even tell you where he's currently playing. Well, I mean he got DFA'd. I don't know where he's playing. Yamamoto
2: came up and pitched a little bit for Miami at one point, and I don't think he ever surfaced again. Princeton's in Houston. Um, Who else? Oh, uh, Diaz. I think he played a little bit in Miami, but didn't really do anything. I think he was – I don't even know where he's at. And then uh, Harrison. is with the Angels. Harrison also surfaced with Miami, did not do anything, and I think he's in, like, Detroit or somewhere now. He's
0: in – I mean, I believe he's with the Angels.
2: Yeah, I know he was up, but it, these guys aren't playing. And
0: when they are, they're rotational quadruple-A players at best. I mean, this is actually kind of funny. Uh, Yelich, I think, is the only guy that's still with the same franchise. No, well, none of them had success. Right, but I'm saying like, and that's the prospects aspect of it. You still do that deal, even though Yelich has not been great this uh, the, the past two years. You still do that deal in a second, based on what he was in 18 and 19.